Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. David Sanger is a national security correspondent for the New York Times with a beautifully timed brand new book. The title, The Perfect Weapon, War, Sabotage, and Fear in the Cyber Age. Age, the review of his book for the Times, for obvious reasons, had to be outsourced. So Paul Pilar, a retired CIA officer whose most recent book is itself on national security, wrote a review of Mr. Sanger's book. And there's a portion of the review, one line that I want to highlight, quote, his description of the cyber portion of Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election is thorough and convincing. It ought to be required reading for anyone who doubts the extent and seriousness of the Russian effort. Hey, David, welcome back to the program. Congratulations on the new book. Well, thanks very much, Michael. I'm a big fan of both the serious show and 
the CNN show, so I have to say it's great to be on with you. Flattery gets you everywhere. You should know that. Good. Hey, um, Good. I will get into the sum and substance of the book, but I have to ask, what have you, with your knowledge and expertise, been thinking the last 48 hours? Well, there's only one person I've been running to in the upper levels of the U.S. government who has consistently questioned or doubted the intelligence, and when challenged on that, has said, well, it was probably the Russians, but it could have been every, anyone. And that's the President of the United States. What you heard him say the other day was completely consistent with what you've heard him say at various moments, either in public or on Twitter. And I have to say, in my few conversations with him on cyber issues, and I've had a few both during the campaign and since he's become president, they are completely consistent with what he said in private. And his argument, in a very typical Donald Trump way, conflates the evidence and his focus on personality. And so when I said to him at one point about a year ago, you know, Mr. President, uh, all of your own intelligence officials, the ones you've appointed, have come to the same conclusion as the ones that uh, President Obama appointed. He said, yeah, but all that intelligence was written by Brennan uh, and by Clapper, uh, meaning John Brennan, the former CIA uh, chief, and Jim Clapper, the former director of national intelligence. And they're two of the most political guys you can imagine. So basically what he does is say, because the initial intelligence reports that were presented to him were presented by two Obama appointees, they can't be believed. David, even yesterday when the president was relying on a statement he couldn't help but be extemporaneous, said, well, it could be other people also, a lot of people out there. Sounded like when he was referring to the 400-pound guy in New Jersey. That's exactly right. What he wants to do is throw up into the air all kinds of noise and sand about whether or not you can do a real attribution here. His problem is that what he knows is that the attribution to the Russians is uh, partly signals intercepts, which we've now had a remarkable chance to all see publicly, because they're quoted in that indictment that came out last Friday of the 12 uh, GRU, Russian military intelligence officers. But his other difficulty is he knows that there were human sources as well that uh, the CIA had that helped attribute this directly to um, Vladimir Putin, and I described some of that uh, in The Perfect Weapon. What surprised you most about that 29-page indictment last Friday? What surprised me the most about that, Michael, was that they were able to uh, put those intercepts in, particularly the discussions between WikiLeaks and the GRU officers, and that they were able to get it through the intelligence community, which is usually extremely cautious about allowing their product to be put into indictments because they fear it would give the Russians or any other adversary uh, a look at our sources and methods. Now, uh, my own argument is that that is part of the uh, derangement syndrome that surrounds cyber, in which the view is everything's got to be secret. The fact of the matter is that it doesn't all have to be secret, that thanks to Snowden, thanks to the pervasiveness of this technology, our adversaries know very well what we can do because they do it as well, as we've certainly seen in the cyber attacks on the United States. One other question about the most recent events, and then I'll delve more deeply into the perfect weapon, war, sabotage, and fear in the cyber age. The timing. I'm still caught up in the timing last Friday 
when I'm looking while I'm on radio, I'm looking at a split screen that shows Rosenstein about to begin his presser while the president is about to arrive at Windsor with the Queen. I don't believe in coincidence. What was going on with the timing? Well, it's a great question because they could have done these indictments presumably earlier. What I find interesting is that we now know that Mr. Rosenstein went and briefed the president before he left for uh, the trip to NATO and then on to meet uh, President Putin. So the president knew exactly what was coming, and my guess is that he or his staff knew exactly what the timing was going to be. Now, of course, the president couldn't step in and interfere in this. Can you imagine the headlines if the president then, you know, if it became clear that the president halted an indictment of Russian GRU officers before he met Putin? Um, But it was pretty curious. In the book, you go through a a series of milestones that, as I was reading them, I was thinking to myself, gosh, when you add this up cumulatively, you just referenced Snowden a moment ago, and of course you talk about the hack by the Russians in 2016, but I'm talking about Operation Olympic Games. I'm talking about Silicon Valley and 2015 and the San Bernardino shooter, the Chinese hacks of American business, when Sony was hacked by North Korea. You would think by now we'd be waking up from a cyber perspective. We still don't seem to be. Why not? Well, it's a really fascinating question. It's one of the reasons that I I wrote the book, because we've been so fixated, Michael, on the thought of the cyber Pearl Harbor. You remember that's a phrase that Leon Panetta and others have used to describe a massive attack on American infrastructure that, you know, took out all the electricity from Boston to Washington, San Francisco to L.A. We've been so fixated on that that we have sort of blinded ourselves to the more subtle and much more daily use of cyber technology. So the Russia hack just fits in on the spectrum. You know, you can use cyber for a variety of things. You can use it for plain old espionage. And some would argue that's what the Chinese do most of of their work on when they are stealing uh, records from the Office of Personnel Management, although I, I would maintain that was something deeper, uh, or, or corporate secrets. You can use it to manipulate data. That's what the Russians may have been looking at when they were looking at the registration systems for the states. Or if somebody went in, God forbid, to say that the um, military's medical databases and changed everybody's blood types, you can imagine the chaos that that would cause and, and huge injury. You can use it to turn off physical equipment. And you mentioned both Olympic Games, which was the code name for the attack on the Iranian nuclear program, and the Sony hack. And what they have in common is that those were both attacks that were aimed at basically sabotaging industrial equipment. Iran's ability to enrich uranium, Sony's ability to turn out movies. Um, And that's where this is going. Forget the espionage for a moment, set it aside, forget criminal hacks. Where this is going is that our whole world is so connected that people will come to the conclusion that if you want to conduct a short-of-war operation against another country, the best way to go do it is to go into their uh, grid or into their control systems and begin to undermine their infrastructure. And we've begun to see that happen in a very big way. With regard to whether there's a nuclear comparison, you say, quote, nuclear arms were designed solely for fighting and winning an overwhelming victory. 
mutually assured destruction deterred nuclear exchanges because both sides understood they could be utterly destroyed. Cyber weapons, in contrast, come in many subtle shades, ranging from the highly destructive to the psychologically manipulative. So if mad, mutually assured destruction is is not a proper response, then what is? This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So if mad 
mutually assured destruction is, is not a proper response, then what is? Well, that's a really interesting question, because it's why we've had such a hard time putting together deterrence in the cyber age. You know, in, in the 50s and 60s, we struggled with this, and, you know, great minds, great strategists wrote the, you know, first books on how you would go deter a nuclear weapon, and we ended up with mutually assured destruction. But with cyber, it's much more complicated. It's more complicated because the weapons can be dialed up and dialed down. It's more complicated because you don't always know where they're coming from, so you don't know where to shoot back. It's more complicated because we have wrapped our own capabilities in such secrecy that we're stepping on our own ability to deter others by saying to them, yeah, we did Olympic Games against Iran. We went after those North Korean missiles. There's a reason some of them were exploding while Kim Jong-un was firing them off. And there's a lot more we can do. But because we wrap this in such secrecy, we actually step on our own message. There's one additional problem. How are our adversaries getting cyber weapons or getting the most sophisticated ones? Frequently because we're losing our own. So, you know, lost during the presidential election was the emergence of this group called Shadow Brokers, which appears to be Russian, which obtained a lot of America's cyber arsenal right out of the National Security Agency's most secure uh, operation called the Tailored Access Operations Unit. And that code was used to shoot at the British in the WannaCry attack last year, the one that you may remember crippled the British healthcare system. Those were American-designed weapons. If this had been a missile system that we lost and it got shot back at an ally, somebody would be court-martialed. On the question of, you referenced, I referenced Operation Olympic Games. That was the the targeted attack on Iran's nuclear facilities by America and Israel, which I guess began in 2006. It raises a question that has come up on the radio program recently, where callers say, what about us? How clean are our hands in this regard? You know, it's here there's an analogy with with the nuclear age that does fit, Michael. It's Of course, we did many of the original sins here, right? When Olympic Games came together as an operation, and I wrote about it uh, almost contemporaneously in a previous book called Confront and Conceal that came out during the Obama administration, and you may recall led to a pretty lengthy leak investigation about, you know, how this operation got out. Um, the, The key to this was that President Obama himself said to his staff, You know, as we use these weapons more and more, other countries are going to use that as an excuse for them to begin to use them. And at that time, when I wrote that last book, I couldn't really find another truly sophisticated state-on-state cyber attack. As I was working on the perfect weapon, and I was working away with a group of young researchers to go figure out how much this had exploded, we stopped counting at about 200 or 250 state attacks that we know about. And you know, of course, that most of them are probably hidden. So the fact of the matter is, while many of these would have happened, whether the United States attacked Iran with cyber weapons or went after North Korea's missiles with cyber weapons, the fact is... We started this, but we do not. We are not right now willing as a government to sort of sit down and say what should be off limits. And that's really where I try to go take the book later on and say, do we need a sort of digital Geneva Convention 
where we protect the civilians who are right now, like you and me, the collateral damage in this war, cyber war among states that's taking place above our head. Does that then lessen our legitimacy to complain about Putin if, in fact, to use your words, we started this? It, it certainly uh, raises some great questions of contradiction, if not hypocrisy. So we're saying that Vladimir Putin uh, committed a great offense by coming in and meddling in our election. And I happen to agree with that. I think, you know, this was a, a, a very bad, aggressive, short-of-war act. But let's be clear. In a pre-cyber age, we meddled in the Italian elections in the late 1940s, the Japanese elections, Latin American elections in the 50s and 60s. We helped stage a coup in Iran. I mean, you know, we've got a long history here as well. I'd love to conduct this thought experiment. I'd be interested to see what your listeners thought of this, uh, Michael. Supposing you and I sat down and we put together a list of the things that should be off-limits to cyber attack, and we were just, you know, sitting over a beer and putting together our list. So what would we say? Hospitals. Check. Got that. Elections. homes. Check. Elections. Great. Elections. Terrific. So then we circulate this list to the U.S. intelligence agencies and say, guys, we're going to go out and negotiate this with the rest of the world, starting with the Russians and the Chinese, uh, and then moving on from there. I think the intelligence agencies would come back and say, wait a minute, not so fast, guys. You know, there may be a moment when we need to get into an election again. You know, we had an operation that we were planning against Iran if we ended up into a full conflict with Iran. I describe in, in the book, it, it was called Nitro Zeus, to basically unplug all of Iran rather than actually get into a shooting war with them. Well, you unplug an entire country, what happens? The hospitals begin to get disconnected too. And the emergency telecommunication systems and the cell phone systems. So I'm not sure that we would even sign up to a ban on the kinds of attacks that we're outraged by. A final point that I think relates to what you just said, that the secrecy component of this makes having a public dialogue difficult. Quote, what's missing in these debates, you write, at least so far, is any serious effort to design a geopolitical solution in addition to a technological one. Some of that secrecy is understandable. Vulnerabilities in computers and networks are fleeting, but there's a price for secrecy, and the United States has begun to pay that price. Explain. So back in the nuclear age, we were managed to keep the details of how you make a nuclear weapon, where you store them, who's got authority to fire them, keep that secret. And yet, we still had a roiling public debate about how to control these weapons. And it ended up in a completely different place than it started off. You may remember you know, that MacArthur wanted to use the bomb against the North Koreans and the Chinese. Eisenhower used to refer to nuclear weapons as just another bullet in the arsenal. And we ended up by the 80s saying, you know, we're not only going to control the numbers, which happened in a series of arms control agreements, but we're going to agree we're never going to use these weapons except as a matter of preserving national survival. And so we were able to walk and chew gum, keep some secrecy about the technology, publicly debate the policy. You are not seeing that happen in cyber. The first time you get up and you debate the policy and you say, should we be out attacking the nuclear facilities or even the missile systems 
of an adversary if we are fearful it's going to set a precedent for people attacking ours, you get shut down. And it's one of the reasons that I wrote this book, because I, don't, I think if you don't begin to air what the capabilities are on both sides, you can't even begin to have the discussion about how you're going to control this technology. And it's not going to be just a technological control. There are some things you can do technologically to protect yourself. I hope all your listeners have, you know, two-factor authentication where a code sent back to your cell phone before you take money out of your bank account and so forth. But the technological solutions will only help you against the sort of day-to-day threats. They're not going to solve these state-on-state attacks, which are so much more sophisticated. Hey, David, you've given us so much to ponder. Thank you. I really appreciate it. The book, which I thoroughly enjoyed, is called The Perfect Weapon, War, Sabotage, and Fear in the Cyber Age. David Sanger is the author. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.